So, welcome to our first ever Last on the Breaks podcast from India to Ducati Corsi Sporting Director Paolo Chabatti. Thank you for joining us, Paolo. We're going to start with, as I was just asking you when you arrived, easy first question. You've been in India a few days. Yep. You said you'd seen a place that was always a dream of yours to visit. Yeah. What have you been doing in the run-up to this first Grand Prix before arriving at the track? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be part of this podcast. And yes, I came here on Saturday afternoon. So I spent one night in, um, in New Delhi having dinner with my friends of uh, Ducati India. We have a subsidiary here who is uh, very active and promoting the sales. And then I left next morning to go to Rajasthan. It was on my bucket list. So I wanted to see that city and especially there is um, a beautiful hotel on the lake called the Lake Palace. If you remember uh, Roger Moore, James Bond movie, Octopussy, yeah, Octopus used, <laughs> used to live there. So it if, was. <laughs> if anyone's playing podcast bingo, I don't think they would have had Octopussy on the list. But, anyways, know uh, you know, you my mean. age probably. <laughs> it's San Philippe. But yes, so I wanted to go there. I was spending a couple of days, uh, uh, had the chance to go a little bit around the countryside. And uh, well, I loved a lot, except the weather was a little bit rainy, too much, but I enjoyed it anyway. And then I came back to Delhi and did some uh, promotional events. I was going to say, like you said, obviously Ducati, big manufacturer globally. Uh, in India, also a key market for motorcycle racing, mm -hmm. for the motorcycle sector, and of course Ducati. Now you're kings of the world in pretty yeah. much every table as well. It's a great opportunity for you guys, isn't it, to have this event and to have this massive presence for MotoGP in India this year? Sure, I mean, uh, it's very important, even though, as you can imagine, the market for premium bikes is quite small, so we have a good share of that market, but the numbers are not that big. But the bikers community, I mean, you can see on, on the roads is just uh, so everybody is uh, riding a kind of moped scooter or but so everyone on. in helmets as well uh, depending <laughs> where <laughs> I've been impressed as a yeah well if you go <laughs> to Rajasthan you would be impressed uh, that nobody is actually almost wearing an helmet but anyways well we understand uh, that it's it's a way to commute for most of people who cannot afford the car here but anyway there is a I would say a strong uh, connection with motorcycles and it's a good opportunity to, to be here. I was actually visiting this circuit uh, in 2018. We came uh, here with, uh, Andrea. Andrea Dovizioso. Yeah. And uh, there was a Ducati event and I could see that such a fantastic uh, uh, structure was a little bit of a shame that uh, you know it was built uh, with the dream of having Formula One for many years. And then Formula One was here only for three years. Then for whatever reason, they decided not to come. And I think it's it's really good to be to be back with with our event. Let's hope it's going to be also a success in terms of uh, spectators. I'm sure that everybody I met in the bikers community is super excited. There's a lot of people, even just people like me, low-level mm. random people. I've had more LinkedIn requests this week mm. <laughs> with people getting so excited the event has come in than I have for the last five years. But yeah, like you say, it's a really impressive track, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I've, I watch Formula One. I'm a big fan of that sport as well. Obviously, have seen the races here. Um, I first think of Sebastian Vettel doing donuts at this track. Mm -hmm. I hope we will replace that with yeah. some exciting motorcycle images this weekend. But the pit building or the main grandstand when you come in with the color of the flags as well mm. in the seats it's really cool i wasn't quite expecting the the scale of it well as, as also as just as soon as you get in the circuit itself there is this 
long uh, you know road taking to the m building and so on so it looks like a majestic kind of uh, building <laughs> it I think. Appears, doesn't it? yeah um, well <laughs> it's cool so as I said uh, shame that it wasn't used for any international event for so long and hopefully we will be here for to stay for many more years and uh, as I said it's good I think uh, there were a lot of uh, complications linked to this uh, trip because of some logistic problems as you know and some bureaucratic problems but in the end we are here and looking forward to be on the track from tomorrow and hopefully give some exciting races on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, we hope so. I keep forgetting as well, we have our Tissot Sprint on Saturday. I'm excited. Yeah. I get excited every Saturday at like mm -hmm. half past two and I remember it's coming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this week it's a little bit later. We've got both at 3.30. Yeah. So you're going to have similar weather, which could be interesting, or similar track conditions, hopefully. Yeah. The layout then. Yesterday, Fabio Quattraro and Franco Morbidelli visited Yamaha Motor India mm -hmm. and Fabio said very clearly he doesn't think it will suit their bike very much. Do you think it will suit your bike? You've got some well, long straights, accelerations? In principle, yes. There is, uh, I think, a very long straight uh, and uh, this should be favorable. Let's see the level of grip of the, of the surface, obviously. Uh, we know that if a level of grip is low, normally Aprilia has an advantage, we could see in, uh, in Barcelona. But uh, all in all, I think it's suiting the characteristics of our bike. We hope so. And we're going to find out tomorrow. Is there any track now in 2023 that doesn't suit the characteristics of your bike? Well, I don't think so because we've been basically on the podium everywhere and fighting for the top positions everywhere. So I think uh, all, overall our bike is now capable of uh, uh, being competitive everywhere. The best example I would say is Saxon Ring. You know, Saxon Ring never. That was always <laughs> your nightmare. That was track. a yeah, <laughs> was a nightmare track. And this year we put like eight bikes in the first nine positions. So I think it was just. Oh yeah, a was wow. that the race where there was only Jack? Yeah. It was a Ducati Armada and then just Jack yeah. <laughs> near the top. So I mean. Yeah, I think uh, we must be proud of uh, what we achieved. Obviously, it's uh, you know thanks to the work of uh, all the engineers and uh, and Gigi. But uh, also important to say that all riders, even if they are different in riding styles, they can find uh, a way to be very fast and competitive with our bikes. So we're happy. You know, first, second, and third in the championship. I think is also showing that uh, you know you know we we are in the moment. Uh, the I would say the the manufacturer with the most competitive bike. I think everyone would agree. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about that journey then. You touched yeah. on it there. It's been quite a long one. I remember the, the image I always have in my head of kind of the more difficult few seasons you had before you rebuilt as Ducati mm -hmm. was that last lap, last corner or near the end of the lap. Dovi and Nikki Hayden. Indianapolis. Bunny hopping together. Yeah, for whatever it was <laughs> like. like uh, 11th, 11th one, position or something. <laughs> yeah, yes. I always think of that because I love the fact they still tried. <coughs> I'm sure from your perspective, you'd rather yeah. maybe they didn't. Um, but it's been an incredible yeah. kind of project in a few years for you. What's it been like from your perspective within the team and within the factory? Well, as you may know, I was working for Ducati from 97 to 2007. When I left the company, I went to manage World Superbike for the promoters. But uh, then halfway through 2012, two things happened. One, uh, Audi uh, bought Ducati from Invest Industrial and they wanted uh, some changes to be done in the racing department. On the other side, uh, Ducati was in the second year of uh, a quite unsuccessful uh, partnership with Valentino. I think the Valentino-Ducati partnership was uh, 
something everybody expected to be a huge success, you know, the most uh, successful and iconic Italian rider with, uh, you know, the Italian uh, sports motorcycle. So there was a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of expectation and unfortunate for, unfortunately for whatever reason, it just didn't work. And um, so, you know, when uh, I got the call, uh, it was in a moment when I said, okay, maybe I want to get this chance and try MotoGP. So I said, yeah, I'm interested. And, um, and then I said, okay, I will, I will join from next year. But at that time, uh, things were still uh, not so clear about uh, who will do what in Ducati courses. So in the end, 2013 was really a difficult year. I think Ducati engineers tried so much to make, uh, to change the bike, to make it suitable for Valentino riding style. But you know, when you do that during the season with a lot of pressure without getting the results and also, you know, everybody looking at um, a failure because we should say what it was it was unfortunately a failure then you know in the next season basically with a bike which you know as you said would, would go basically nowhere and uh, <laughs> I didn't quite say that <laughs> well but basically but we were like 40 a... 40 seconds from the winner you know it was so yeah. so so difficult and uh, and it was a very difficult and challenging first year. So a few times during the season, I say, why did I do it? Because, uh, you know, it's, it's okay, but this is very tough. But um, luckily then we, we, we managed, thanks to our CEO, Claudio Domenicali, to convince uh, Mr. Dallinia to consider Ducati and to accept the challenge after so many years at Aprilia. And then he said yes, and he joined uh, the, the team basically on the test on Monday, Tuesday after Valencia of the last race. And 2014 was still difficult because the bike has been basically designed without Gigi's guidance. It's difficult, isn't it, when someone joins? Yeah, then... clearly it's, you know, when, when you join November, basically the bike for next year is 99% already done. We made a few changes during the season. We achieved some decent results. And um, on the podium uh, for the first time since, uh, you know, at least 2013. I think Valentino was on second in Misano 2012, which was, I think, his best results on a Ducati. But then the brand new bike came out. So the turning point was um, working in 2014 to design a brand new bike, brand new engine. And uh, this bike, the GP15, actually was uh, debuting in a fantastic way. We almost won the first Grand Prix. In, if it was not for Valentino, <laughs> who won the Qatar Grand Prix, you know, Dovi second, Yanone third. It was a, an incredible debut. And then from there, we, we were doing better and better. And the first uh, GP win came in Austria with Yanone in 2016. It did. And then you took another one with Yeah, with Sepang, Sepang, Sepang with Dovi, uh, rainy, rainy two conditions. Of the, two of the 10 winners in a row, was it? Eight winners in a row? I should know. I remember writing about it very clearly, but <laughs> yeah, an incredible season there. And obviously that season as well, there were so many different winners. I think Pedrosa was the seventh maybe at Mazzano, mm -hmm. then Dovi was definitely the ninth, because mm -hmm. I remember our lovely okay. commentator Matt Burt saying Dovi on cloud nine okay. in a perfect immediate headline. <laughs> I remember very well. I was on the podium with him, so I remember very well. <laughs> it was a great, great win. But from there, it wasn't just that you know, it's more unpredictable as a sport. It wasn't uh, anything else that had changed within the sport. It was also the Ducati really had changed. So yep. Since then, it seems to have just got better and better and better. How is that now looking back for you 
when you think about that new bike being born mm -hmm. and the expectation, and now you see things like Zaxnering even when you have seven yeah. of the top eight? Well, obviously, it's, uh, we are very proud, as I said. We are very happy about uh, how things turn out. And, um, you know, uh, 2017, 18, 19 with Dovi, we were always second. And, uh, it but was not in last lap battles. No, then you were well, always first. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as I said, then it came. We came to the point to say, "Hey, second again? How come?" And we were then, you know, in 2017. Actually, it was a fantastic season for Andrea. He was uh, still had a chance in the last round to fight with or try to get the championship. But obviously, Mark, he found the Mark Marquez in the best of his form in in that in those years. So. Uh, we did the best we could. I think uh, we kept working on the bike, improving some weak points like the turning. You could have heard our riders saying the bike is not easy in the, when it comes to turning, but we worked on that. And, uh, and then we decided at the end of 2020, you know, with COVID, it was a very strange championship in a way, but we decided it was also time to change uh, from uh, Dovi and Danilo, who are, you know, were great riders with us, to new riders, try to get you know, some fresh, um, a different attitude of uh, younger guys who wanted to to give uh, their best and maybe come with a, a little bit fresh, um, open mind. Obviously, they were already on the Pramac bike, so they knew the Ducati, and uh, and uh, yeah, we were signing for the factory team uh, Jack and Pecco, and uh, and Pecco had a really a very good season. You know, it just. Uh, the last part of that season was just incredible. And um, when it clicked, it really. When it clicked, yes. So we were second again. That year I said, come on. <laughs> <laughs> second is not enough. And eventually, then last year, we know the story. We do. So let, I want to talk a little bit about Peko then. Um, because his, I don't know, compared to some rookies, mm. I don't think Mark Marquez is a fair example for mm. anyone else with the bike that he yeah. joined in the year and everything how it was. but. Looking at Peko now, you would have expected his rookie season maybe to look more like Jorge Martins, but it was actually, at least with a win and some poles and stuff. But he actually had a uh, tougher start in May. Very tough start for him in 2019, actually. Why well, was it that long ago now? Oh yes. I feel like it was last year. No. <laughs> and uh, but you should also remember that uh, in those days we still had uh, one rider on the factory bike with Pramac and one rider on the previous year's machine. Yeah. So. Jack was the guy who got uh, the factory bike and, and Pecco got the bike from the previous year. And, uh, you know, we, we brought so many improvements every year in the new bikes that probably, uh, you know, it was a difficult rookie season. I don't say the bike was not up to the 2020, but for sure it was on a lower level. A yeah. And, uh, you know, then he had the accident in Brno, he got injured, you know, he needed to get surgery to his leg. So. It was um, a difficult, very difficult uh, season for him and uh, below the expectation for sure. Because I think uh, during the, the winter test in Sepang, he was super fast. Yeah, he was And then, you know, you, you, yeah, you know, should never consider Sepang a test like uh, a picture of the whole season because we've seen also Jorge Lorenzo doing very, very well and then having a difficult season with us. But anyways, good that uh, he kept pushing, we kept pushing, we gave him the factory bike at Pramac the following year, so both him and Jack were on factory bikes. And uh, he, he did uh, in the second part of the season something which was very good. He really did. And obviously his season in Moto2 when he won the title 
Yeah. That was kind of what we now recognize immediately as kind of peco style, almost perfect, yeah, it, so smooth. Yeah, it, it was, and actually, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, we, we were looking on peco already in 2008, I think it was 2018, no, 2017, sorry, and because it won 2018, and uh, then we said, okay, uh, let's sign him for 2019 for two years plus option, and we met at Ducati headquarters in Bologna with him and Francesco Guidotti was at that time team manager of Pramac. And uh, we signed him before a championship began. So we said, and then seeing him doing that season in Moto2, like, oh, we said, okay, choice. we made our choice. But then 2019 happened, so it was like, okay, you know, it needs to take time a little bit more. But then, as I said, we are with the Peco we see now, uh, always fast, always under control. and. Uh, with a very, very good uh, strategy and able to work with this team also through difficult uh, beginnings of the weekends. Many times we have a Friday where things don't really work in the way we expect, but you know, they have such a mutual confidence and uh, trust that they can always or almost always come up with a solution for Saturday and you know, even something better for Sunday. That has been really impressive and I think from the outside certainly that seems like something that may play in your favour as well this weekend mm. when it's a new track. That ability to work together so well and find those solutions so quickly. Yeah, well, you know, a new track is always a new track, so. I know, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but um, so, talking more about Pekka then, <laughs> last year you finally got that title. Yep. And kind of almost the opposite of what we've seen so far this season, <laughs> where he was chasing, chasing, chasing. Mm -hmm. What's that like for you guys as well as the team? Obviously, for the rider, it's kind of intense pressure at times i'm sure huge disappointment like mm. germany mid-season when i think it was yeah. 91 points yes exactly minus 91. obviously it's a different thing for him himself and you guys mm. around him to manage that on the bike what's it like as a team when you're like oh we're so close <laughs> <laughs> and that roller coaster of emotions yeah you know it's actually true that um, we had a few crashes at the beginning of last season which uh, those zeros were very very heavy and we came to the point when after the crash in, uh, in um, Germany, we said, okay, minus 91, no one has ever won the championship uh, coming from minus 91, but uh, we just changed our mindset. Let's say we do race by race. Uh, if you think about the championship, it looks like it's a, a mountain too high to climb. So let's say, let's, let's do it. I think, you know, we know we, we know how he's uh, talented, we know the bike is good, so let's see, and then bang, 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 four races in a row. And uh, that also probably connected with some problems that uh, Fabio started to have with the Yamaha and, and seeing also that, uh, you know, his main, uh, you know, main competitor was just closing the gap, closing the gap, closing the gap, made us think, okay, it's possible, but then you remember Japan, that unnecessary crash. <laughs> we were just like seven or eight, and even Fabio was not in a much better yeah. position. Still, we said another zero, okay. But, uh, you know, well, finally, when uh, he won in Sepang, it was just. That race was spectacular. The was spectacular. tension was. Yeah, yeah, and you could see some uh, talk between uh, Gigi, Claudio, uh, David, and myself. Obviously, you know, I explained that because everybody said team order, team order, everybody's speaking about team orders. Actually, we didn't give any team orders, but 
uh, there was a moment when uh, Bezzecchi was fourth, was closing on, on uh, Fabio, was third. It was all going to change, didn't it? And obviously, if it would be third, then with Pecco winner, we would clinch, clinch, get the championship, which is very important for Ducati because the only world title we won was back in 2015 years before with Casey Stoner. So we said, what should we do in case, uh, you know, in, in case uh, Marco manages to pass uh, uh, Fabio? But then we saw that actually came close like um, less than one second and then he started to lose. So we said, okay, let's, 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 let's step <laughs> and whatever. And, and Peko was very, very, I think, um, good to keep things under control because Enea was super fast, so he passed him. But uh, I think Peko saw that Enea did not really have exactly the pace. So he passed him again and won. But you know, that part was just to say, hey, what do we do? In case, See, we, in case we have a championship in the pocket, <laughs> in case we have a championship in the pocket, should we just be super nice sportsmen and say, let it go? Or, <laughs> or maybe think about something. Luckily, it was not needed. It's interesting that you only started thinking about that literally in the race, yeah. as you see Marco doing yeah. it. And everyone had been saying that you've been doing it since summer. No, not true. Race. I mean, <laughs> I always said, and people, you know, people might think I'm lying, but I'm not, to tell our riders, please don't take out another Ducati rider trying an over I always say, the stewards, they say over-ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice, over-ambitious. If a rider is not ambitious, how well, can he win races? But anyway, <laughs> an over-ambitious oh, pass. Don't do it on an average Ducati rider when you know, you know, there is, they're fighting for the championship. That's the only thing we always said. And never said you know, to anyone, you should stay behind or whatever. Because in the end, uh, we know a rider, when he has a chance to win, he wants to win. We perfectly understand. As I said, we don't like I'm sorry to say because Andrea Iannone is a good friend, but I don't want to see any more the Iannone Dovizioso thing the in the last corner. Okay, this was yeah. overambitious. That was overambitious. That's so. the one time you'd let the stewards use that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I would let, let them use. <laughs> but that's the only thing we don't want to see between Ducati riders. Yeah, obviously it's kind of everyone's worst nightmare, either within teams or factories yeah. as well. But yeah, so let's talk about your factory kind of layout now, because you've got mm -hmm. eight bikes on the grid. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember asking Davide, I think it was last year, like everyone complains that there's too many Ducatis and he was like, well, that's not our problem. We give bikes to people who ask for them. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's, it must be quite impressive now. There's eight of them going from where you were when you joined the team to now yeah. running the world. It's yeah, actually, we, all, we used to have eight bikes because Pramac was with us also when Avinti and Aspar had Ducatis, but in those years, the bike we could list to the team were non-competitive yeah. as they are now because we were leasing GP14 and 15 in those years. So uh, clearly, as, as David has said, it's true. I mean, uh, the, an independent team has to consider what is the best for his interest, how much it is costing because they had to pay for it, what kind of technical service they get, and what kind of, what kind of competitive material they get. So at the moment, I mean, I know the other manufacturers will, might not be happy, but we have the best package in terms of cost, performance, and uh, technical support. As, we, as you know, we, we share data between the, four, the eight riders. It's uh, something which is helping us to further develop the bike. You need to teach the riders that, you know, sometimes you lose something because some of the other Ducati riders will learn something from you, but sometimes you, you learn from them. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, they all accept and understand. 
Um, and, and it's it's like this. Eventually, there will be some other manufacturer coming out, coming up with uh, a better package or more convenient uh, financially or whatever. And then the teams will be free to, to choose it. But uh, as it is today, I think uh, you know, as I said, independent team want to know how can I try to win a race. At the moment, the answer is Ducati because uh, it proved Bezzecchi won two races. Okay. Uh, Pramac one, they have a factory machine. They are a little bit different because they are factory supported and we contract the riders. Uh, Grazini won a sprint race with Alex Marquette. So I don't see at the moment other manufacturers in that position. And eventually it will be in the future and uh, it's an open market. Uh, it's uh, offer and demand. It is. It obviously does also mean you're kind of competing with yourselves a little bit at the moment. Mm -hmm. We've got Brad Binder not too yeah. far down yeah. the table, um, but at the top it's three Ducati riders. It's also interesting because it's obviously Peko, your reigning mm -hmm. champion. Certainly, I don't want to say lead rider as though you have a one and two, but obviously Ineas had a super difficult year yeah. this season with injury and everything else. So you've got Peko. Then you've got Marco, who's made quite a splash and yep. from Argentina on, super impressive. And then you've got Jorge, uh, Martin, sorry to all our listeners. It's not yep. like I'm best friends with them, it's just easier. <laughs> um, but it's a very interesting dynamic as well with mm. Jorge versus Anea last year with that factory seat. But like you say, Pramac have factory bikes and support. Yep. How do you kind of view that? interesting kind of political mix at the top <laughs> well first of all if we wouldn't like this situation to happen we would not give uh, this level of bikes to the independent teams so it's uh, something we accept obviously we see more of a benefit than the potential problems to manage it is uh, clear that sometimes uh, you know you have uh, um, the factory team is always the team that people expect to be uh, fighting for championship win and uh, having the best riders last year going back to your to the part of your question it was not an easy decision between uh, Enea and Jorge we know Jorge had a, is a super talented rider this we know since we signed him and he was in Moto2 uh, then he had the accident in uh, in Portimao which was uh, uh, obviously a, a big one and before he would fully recover it took some time on the other side, Enea had a fantastic second season, you know, winning four Grand Prix. And obviously, we came to a point when we needed to decide. And Enea was uh, fighting for the championship, winning already winner four times. And, you know, we took that decision, which we don't regret. We're just uh, unhappy of what happened to him in the first race and then the additional crash and the injury in Barcelona. But Jorge has exactly the same chance. He has uh, exactly the same material, exactly the same updates, and uh, he's doing a fantastic job. So obviously, you know, we'll see. Um, I, it's interesting uh, <laughs> in a way. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Grand Prix in, um, in Germany without Pecco and, and, uh, and Jorge would be a kind of boring race, I'm, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> and because they were leading, with a big gap from the others, but you know, with them fighting, it was just uh, so exciting. And you can see that uh, they try to beat each other, which is uh, obviously what we expect, uh, but uh, they never did something incorrect. 
Just a little little kiss. Yeah, well, but it was, you know, it, it, it was fun. It was not like something deliberate, okay? Yeah, no, it was, so. a, it was a wonderful race, that one. Yeah. And it must be very satisfying, like you said, with the Zaxxon Ring having been your nightmare track yeah. to then see two Ducatis just leave yeah. everybody behind. Um, but do you think, just kind of a off-topic slightly mm. question, do you think Peko's hand-to-hand -hand combat, close fighting on track skills are underrated sometimes by the world? Well, I think in general, for whatever reason, he has been underrated. Uh, You'd go in general? Yeah, in general. Okay, some people, all this, uh, sorry to say, bullshit about the team orders, which was... You're allowed to last say that on here, don't Okay, <laughs> last, last year, like, uh, people were saying, well, I know it was not true, and I know that he did that comeback from minus 91, thanks to him and, this, and the team. And, and that's it, full stop. And if you see the number of, because people don't care about statistics, and it's fine, where, I mean, people talking on social media or, you know, or at the bar, they have a different um, analysis. <laughs> but if you look at the number of laps led by Ryder next, last year, maybe I'm wrong, but I think Pecco was leading like 280 and Fabio like 96. And that I saw, I mean, if you check that, you clearly know that the Ryder has been led so many laps compared to the second best is doing a fantastic season. Um, probably Peko's character is a little more calm, is not really a, a This is why we love Marco in the press conference with Yeah, because Marco out. is outspoken. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't mind about saying things that uh, you shouldn't <laughs> in, um, maybe saying uh, when it's um, an official press conference, but you know, and Pecco is different. Pecco is from my, my same region. I'm from Torino, he's from Kivasso, which is about uh, 10 kilometers from Torino. We are less um, extroverted, if you can say that in English, or, or more introverted uh, uh, respect with uh, respect to the people coming from uh, Romagna, from the Rimini area and so on. Who are, yeah, it's, it's a, we're different, okay, a little bit different. It doesn't mean that, you know, and I like the fact that nobody's trying to, we don't want to change uh, a character of a rider. First of all, you cannot, and you cannot do something fake. You cannot ask the rider to be, you know, making super funny jokes if he doesn't feel it comes natural to him. Yeah, it's diff different riders yes. with different characters. I think the good thing is that if we talk about Pecco and Marco, they, they have a lot of fun together. They, they you, know, you see in the, yeah. in, uh, before, <laughs> before the podium, what do I say to each other? And, and, and also after the podium with yeah. Marco, sorry, who, uh, who <laughs> finished second? <laughs> yeah. So you see, it's, uh, it's good, I think. Uh, I like this, I like uh, riders who have um, full respect of each other and then we try to beat, uh, you know, the teammates or, you know, um, without uh, doing any, I say, uh, over... Over ambitious, ambitious. overtakes there, <laughs> yes. exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I always think of the race in Aragon with Peko versus mm. Mark, yeah. when his defense was so good, but it was almost just letting Mark Marquez attack and then just ignoring it. It was like poetically, it was a great mixture of styles. But then when we saw them this year, was it in Le Mans? Mm -hmm. When they all came out after the race and said, this is the way we want to race, mm -hmm. elbows out. Maybe a little bit more nervous for those of you watching. <laughs> yeah, as, as you know, it's, um, we always nervous when there is uh, a situation like that. Obviously, uh, Aragon was incredible because 
Aragon is a place where Mark is super strong and to see Pecco to keep his uh, to keep his nerves calm in a situation like this with Mark passing and Yuri passing again and so on was uh, well was uh, maybe one of the best uh, victories from um, from his career with Ducati in my opinion at least was very emotional for us and um, but uh, yeah it's uh, it's good for spectators. We still have the same uh, problem with the stomach, at least myself. I have uh, say butterfly in the stomach or yes, whatever. Exactly. Yes, okay. <laughs> so so uh, we could also, when you were saying about the being less extroverted, mm. I think da Davide is probably the greatest example. Yeah, you see, put David and myself next to each other. <laughs> well, we love it at the end of the race when we get the shot of the box when you win and you're just like, great. And then Davide is just <laughs> no, no, no. having his own little one-man carnival. <laughs> yeah, you see, exactly. Davide is from Romagna, same <laughs> as Marco Bezzecchi. I am from Torino. <laughs> well, we, we love, again, we love the mixture. Everyone's character is different. but. I'll leave you yep. soon to mm -hmm. uh, get on with the rest of your Indian yep. Grand Prix. But what do you think now? The flyaways, it's crunch time, as we say in English. Mm. Completely different position to last time. And the person who's now chasing you, mm -hmm. Pecco, in this situation, mm -hmm. is another Ducati and then another Ducati. Mm -hmm. Is it a bit more relaxed this time round as we're heading through Asia? Uh, yes and no. Obviously, let's say it looks likely, even though you know there are still many races that uh, most probably it will be a Ducati rider winning the championship the riders championship uh, but obviously then uh, we need to see how it will develop in the next races obviously as you know it's a very kind of hectic calendar because we have so many races uh, one after each other so and it's uh, 777 points up for grabs yeah so as, as I said well you know even Riders who are fourth and fifth, uh, you know, still have a good chance uh, to to become again, uh, yeah, competitors for the championship. As as it looks today, we we are mm, in a very strong position, but we still keep our feet on the ground because you know racing is racing, anything can happen. So we just don't. And with all all these races in a row, a small mistake can be very, very, well, very... Like that crash in Bar Barcelona, yeah. obviously, luckily, no harm really done. Yeah. I loved Peko's choice of the word booty to yeah. explain where he'd got bruised from it. But what seemed like it could be a seriously dramatic moment in his title fight, unfortunately, it was Anea in the end, who's got mm. a couple of things he needs to heal from, um, from that turn one incident. But that must have been quite a, I don't want to say experience, like it implies it's good. No, it, was, it was shocking because, you know, for you guys yeah, when you see that. When you see that kind of crash and you see all the bikes and you see Binder who tries to avoid Pecco but he's just jumping on his uh, on his leg, then you say, okay, the championship is over. What you would think is an injury similar to the one that Alex Rins has had and he's basically been out so many races. So. In a way, it's a kind of, well, I don't like to speak about miracles because miracles maybe will be for something else, but it's a kind of miracle that he got uh, bruises everywhere, but no broken bones. And, uh, and uh, well, maybe, I, I, I hate to say this, but probably the fact that five bikes were out on the first corner avoided that some more bikes <laughs> I mean, coming from behind. You're saying that in your position because we looked at that and we're like, I mean, it's true. I mean, I don't say I'm happy because I'm not happy. No, I don't. I it was all Ducatis anyway, and and Enea got injured. But sometimes things happen in, in a certain way. Then you can say, okay, it's very bad, 
but it would have been worse if all these bikes would come because then the, the, the possibility to hit Pecco and also to hit it somewhere else in his body, which would make even uh, much worse possible, much worse com uh, consequences. So I think we we happy he could race uh, even with uh, uh, a leg which is all the color of uh, the um, rainbow, but he could race in uh, Misano, get two third position, uh, uh, limit the damage in a way in the championship. And uh, here, even though he's not 100%, he's definitely better. It's like a reset, yeah. and he was still one of only three current riders who managed to beat Danny Pedrosa. Yep. <laughs> Which is an interesting Well, Danny, event. incredible. I mean, I saw Danny on Sunday night because there was an Alpine Star party it's for uh, their 60 year celebration in Riccione. And I spoke to him and he's, I say, luckily you are not really the best in, in the heartbreaking. I said, I'm good, but Pecco was better. <laughs> and obviously he's such a gentleman. I didn't want to try anything stupid and uh, ruin. A rider uh, who also understands the consequences of other people's Yeah, and I mean, he's, he's probably, if there is a, a gentleman in uh, the generation of uh, past riders, I would say Danny is one of those. Well, that's a quite random but very nice note to end on, I think. <laughs> a little bit of Danny Pedrosa love after I'm sure everyone enjoyed yeah. seeing him return last weekend as well. Well, Paolo, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Um, so glad to see you've enjoyed India so far. Let's see what Bud International Circuit has in store for the eight Ducatis we've got out there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank and, you. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Finger crossed. <laughs> yes. <laughs>